Mm. Hello, and welcome to Detours, a Glory Sports podcast where I, David Stahl, digital editor of Glory Sports, sit down with sports figures who have achieved excellence in their fields through bold, unconventional, strange, and novel practices. From athletes to community leaders, sports psychologists to coaches, media personalities to front office executives, I'll be inviting guests on the program to show listeners how they might learn to explore excellence by paving detours of their own. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to a friend of the program, Canadian Paralympic runner and world record holder, Nate Reich. As you'll come to learn, Nate's story is as inspiring as it is maddening, as we learn the difficulties he and fellow para-athletes face when it comes to securing partnerships, even after an Olympic gold. Still, Nate's outlook on his career and life in general is so incredibly uplifting. His humility, drive for excellence, and commitment to inspiring the next generation of athletes makes for such an amazing conversation. Throughout the episode, we discuss the freak accident that led him down his current path, why certain brands are failing to invest in para-athletes, and the strength it takes to accept a detour you haven't chosen to take. We hope you enjoy Nate's incredible story and our conversation. All right, for Detours, a Glory Sports podcast, we welcome on Canadian para-athlete and world champion 1,500 and 800-meter runner, Nate Reich. Welcome to the podcast, Nate. Thank you so much for having me. Nate, for those who aren't familiar, you are, of course, as we mentioned, a world champion runner, and we want to dive into all of the the things that make you such an exceptional athlete and an exceptional figure in the Canadian um, sports landscape. But I'm wondering if we could start at the beginning and, and if you could tell us uh, a little bit about uh, how you fell in love with the sport of running initially and where that uh, initial passion came from. Yes, absolutely. It definitely, uh, it was a complicated relationship at first. Uh, that's for sure. I grew up playing baseball. Uh, originally grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, my step stepdad Ben uh, was a pro- professional baseball player. Was roommates with Aaron Boone uh, while at USC. I was baseball crazy, and the Diamondbacks won the World Series in two thousand one. And um, you know, in two thousand five, I was uh, playing golf with a couple of friends and uh, ended up having a golfing accident and getting hit the golf ball getting paralyzed uh and i was right side dominant at that time so it just flipped my world upside down you know two days before that i pitched one of the best games ever i think i struck out 14 batters and no hits um and then all of a sudden now i'm laying motionless in a hospital bed internal bleeding with no signs of it stopping and you know everything that i once knew uh was different luckily i think i was super lucky to be young um, cause I kept throwing around this word paralyzed, didn't know what that meant. Um, I'd never heard any adult really use that. I was only 10. Um, but you know, my parents always said, Nate, hey, it's going to be a really hard journey. Um, but you're going to be okay. And so they definitely didn't share that the doctor said I'd be a bachelor for the, for the rest of my life, that I would never play competitive sports, that I would never graduate high school, don't even think about going to college and, and so um, these are the things that, you know, they told me after the hospital that kind of fueled me. And uh, out of the sports that 10-year-old Nate thought were cool, 
um, running was the only one I could do. Couldn't play basketball. I sucked at baseball now. Definitely football was out of the cards. Um, so yeah, that kind of led me to running. And I mean, deep down, I knew that track and field was going to be a sport for me e- eventually with how talented both my mom and Bajko dad were in them. Um, you know, I started with running club um, as therapy. And, uh, you know, as someone who doesn't can't use the right leg and right arm as well as uh, the, nor- the normal person, um, definitely wasn't that fun, especially with how competitive I am. Um, so it, you know, it started with a 800 mirror loop with every loop. We got, um, popsicle sticks and whoever had the most popsicle sticks at the end of the, the 30 minutes of running had uh bragging rights for that day. And, um, that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, when you get that runner's high for the first time, um, then you're pretty hooked. And now the accident resulting, please correct me if I'm wrong in, in T38, um, if I'm correct, could you maybe describe a little bit of how, that affects you today as an athlete sort of when you were able to go through the recovery and, and you had reached uh, the highest physical function you, you were able to achieve how that affects you today and how well known is it because I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit before learning your story and, and diving into the research I had not come across it before so I'm wondering if you can maybe illuminate some of our listeners yeah definitely so it's uh, the category is technically coordination impairment Usually you see one side being drastically affected, usually from either CP, um, traumatic brain injuries, uh, or MS. Those are kind of the three injuries that um, I, I really see within our category. And mm-hmm. for my specific injury, um, if you think of mental health, you know, sometimes the most de- debilitating things can be invisible uh, or internal, which is definitely you know, my skull fracture, you know, the, where the hole in my head is, it controls the, that right side of my body. And sometimes it doesn't work at all. And so, you know, I have to deal with that. And sure, people see me running normal, quote unquote, and running really fast times so that they're like, oh, no, he's not a Paralympic athlete. And I think that's something that I've struggled with throughout my life. Um, you know, growing up, I wanted to kick able-bodied athletes, butts, so I, I hid mine, hid my disability and tried not to show it my college coach didn't know about it my high school teammates didn't really know about it you know coming top two at state um you know so i kind of tried to hide that um but when you get to that top level i can't train like your typical athlete can i can't long 150 kilometers a week it's just my nervous system gets fried unfortunately and so when i started training how i should be training for me. That's kind of where 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 we saw those results, uh, which was really really cool. I mean, no one in our class had ever broken three fifty. I ran three forty seven for my first time breaking three fifty, and that was, I mean, even more more of a magical moment than winning the, the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. It was, you know, such a. I had been stuck at three fifty two for four years, and just having that magical moment, it all coming together. I felt horrible in the warm up, and just you know, all the stars aligned for me and. Um, and I guess my recovery is the, is the really big thing. You know, if it's a back-to-back days race, that's where you really, I, I, the second day I look like a completely different person. Because mm. I, I was wondering about the awareness of people around you because I knew that obviously you were competing against able-bodied athletes for a big chunk of your, your early career there and faring so well, I think the numbers would blow people away. I, I was looking through your social media and I remember, I don't know if it was this season or an earlier one, 
Um, he said, yeah, just kind of a rust buster 5k, you know, you ran like mid fifteens. Um, oh my God, this guy is, is pushing, you know, easy five minute paces. But of course, you know, you look to Paralympian medalist and a world champion that that's what you come to expect. But I think the difficult part that some of our guests on this podcast, the difficult thing they've faced is that when you're either you choose to take a detour or life throws one your way and you're, you're forced to go down that route. A lot of the times it's difficult to find a figure who's taken that exact route to look up to. We've seen that with a lot of women broadcasters in the space that we've interviewed or other athletes. I'm wondering when baseball was was no longer an option or or football, these sports that you had really assigned some of your childhood identity to, who were some of the athletes that you either looked towards or currently look towards for um inspiration or or to draw the blueprint for yourself definitely i mean i looked at my mom a lot that's kind of a a, a, a cheap answer um pat tillman i don't, a lot of people aren't familiar with pat tillman but he played for the arizona cardinals and when 9 11 happened he went and fought um and ended up dying in, in friendly fire and he lived in the same city i grew up in chandler uh arizona and so what he stood for was super important. And then Kobe Bryant um, was, you know, one of my favorite. My uncle was his therapist his last couple of years in, in the league. He's in, he's in, he's in his documentary. And um, so those are two people like early on. And then Blake Griffin is um, the guy that I really look up to now. My uncle also works with Blake Griffin and I've become very good friends with Blake. Just saw him recently a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was up in Boston racing, got to go to one of his games. But, um, you know, I think, I love how people compete on the actual field or court or track, but I love the most of how they carry themselves because they already know that they're good. Everyone knows that they're good at their sport, but how do you treat kids? How do you treat people who really look up to you, you know, especially those grassroots programs, um, you know, and that's one thing I saw with Blake, like no matter who asks for a picture, no, no matter who comes up to him, you know, he has his own, basketball team that he funds and everything like that and so those are the type of people that i really look up to now for for some maybe giving their family as their inspiration um that's a low-hanging fruit answer but for yourself it's it's very literal with with your family background but i want to dive into that in a moment i do want to touch on something you just mentioned though and that is community impact and that's the thing that you really look towards obviously you're in town in toronto right now as we're recording this for that that very function to to help sort of serve your community can you speak a little bit to the importance that has played in your career and being able to uh you know be that figure be the Blake Griffin be the Kobe Bryant for um the next young Canadian athlete yeah definitely um you know it's community is everything I think when I was a younger kid I didn't realize how important that was I was I mean I've always been like my coach describes me as kind of a lone wolf. I train by myself, you know, even when I was up in Victoria with a big training group, there was really no one necessarily near to my time. So I did everything by, by, by myself. And I, I guess, you know, getting paralyzed and being different when you're younger, you kind of have that alone time. You know, when I went back to Alfred, Georgia and Victoria, British, British Columbia after the Paralympics, just to see how the community welcomed me and how proud they were of what I did um, in the uh, in Georgia where I live now 
Um, you know, in the same week, I got inducted into my high school Hall of Fame and to the City Hall of Fame, uh, which was which was really cool because um, I have four younger siblings, three who live in that areas, and one of the places is where my sister plays almost all of her lacrosse games. You know, right as she walks in, there's her big bro, you know, on the Wall of Fame. Um, and then, you know, one of the big high schools locally, there my name is as well. Um, so that, you know, and I never thought that I would ever get into those. I mean, that's not something I really thought about. And, and uh, yeah, especially that community. I mean, that's really, especially kids. I, I always love talking to kids because um, I remember where I was when I was that age, obviously, especially para-athletes, but just kids in general. Because um, I remember there was no kid I ever knew with a with trying brain injury growing up. There was no one I could look to. Mm-hmm. And so um, if I can be that for some kid, that's awesome. I mean, uh, the para- Paralympic Committee is actually just doing an article right now on me and a kid from Norway who he wrote me when I was or when he was 14. Um, and I thought I would never see him, like never meet him, never compete against him. And in Dubai, a couple of weeks ago, we actually competed and I asked him to go shake out with me. And then I posted a picture of him and I, and, and then the Paralympics, I was like, wow, that's an awesome story. And, um, you know, but someone telling me that I am inspiring them is, I mean, crazy. Like I don't see myself as an inspiration, but, um, if I can be that for someone or if I can help lead someone to be the person they are today and taking on big uh big challenges and i feel like i'm definitely on on the right path it's so funny like it's so difficult to perceive ourselves how how others do right like so many of the people i talk to who act as inspirations and they're olympians or world champions like yourself they never see themselves as as that figure that's part of what makes them great too part of it is also you guys are working and training so hard you don't really have time to look at the world around you sometimes and go, oh my God, I'm, I'm here. But you know, you're, you've cracked world records. You've traveled around the world to compete. I'm wondering if there was a particular moment that it it really hit you and you're, wow, I, uh, you know, I've, I did it. I did. I really have accomplished most of what any runner can, can seek out to do at the onset of their career was there a moment where it really hit you and and you did have that moment of satisfaction so it's probably a moment where people wouldn't think would be important to me um but i went home back to georgia um to see my siblings and obviously my family but my siblings and i are super tight a month span my sister did a project on me and my brother did a project on me just how excited they were to share my story with their class i was like huh that's, I never thought that they would be so excited, you know, to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, my brother just got his Canadian citizenship and he's one of the best decathletes as a junior in in Canada. And, you know, him and I have the goal of making this team together in 24. And I think that would be a heck of a story. Um, you know, two brothers who love to work hard and um, so I think those moments are not not necessarily a time, not not necessarily a certain interview with a certain person in my own home, realizing that that it seemed like I was an uh, inspiration for those two. That's so cool. And I mean, you say, wow, it would be mind blowing to for us two siblings to competing there. It wouldn't be. But at the same time, it kind of feels like it's right in line with the uh, <laughs> with the family history. Maybe for those who don't know, could you 
give us a little bit of a rundown, even including your siblings who I wasn't, who I weren't aware were such fantastic athletes in, in their own right, but some of the family members who have helped pave this path for elite athletics in your family. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, uh, my mom, Arden Tucker, um, was a Canadian national champion in the pole vault, former Canadian record holder indoors for the pole vault. Um, my biological dad was a 1996 Olympian. Um, he was NCAA record holder. Um, my grandpa, Jim Harrison, who is most famous in Canada, um, played with Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr, um, played on the Leafs, played in NHL for 12 years, scored 10 points in one game and three goals in 24 seconds. So that's kind of where that, where that famous, uh, comes from. And he was an enforcer and, uh, first time I was in Toronto, everywhere I went, you're, you are Jimmy's grandson. And I was like, oh boy, I didn't realize how, how impactful he was. Um, both of my stepmom, um, high jump for team USA. I think she got fifth at, um, us nationals. My stepdad, who we talked about earlier, played professional baseball for the giants and went to the college world series as part of the Southern California Trojans, uh, cousin Georgian Moline was fifth at the Olympic games and so many more of, uh, that family. And then my siblings, um, my brother Benji is plays baseball for, for Sacramento state. He's a first year there. My brother, Max, like I said, one of the best decathletes uh, in the country. And then uh, my sister, Avery, who's the best athlete out of all of us. Um, she is a uh, ninth grader. Um, she won state uh, as a in softball this year. And then she's on one of the best lacrosse teams in the, in the U.S. for her age. And, um, you know, everyone always talks about the three brothers. But, um, you know, I always tell everyone you're, she's the one that, that uh, you guys are going to have to be watching. Watch out. Season two of Detours. We'll have her on here next. Yeah, we're calling our shot now. I, I think the top the, that's such a blessing and then the, all the difficult part is that okay you have this blueprint of these really physical dominant athletes and then you know sometimes detours are our choices made by us like a pivot and then sometimes they're just thrown to us by life like the accident that took place when you were 10 and all of a sudden you're not able to quite go down the same precise path that other members of your your family have for young people who maybe don't have the privilege of choosing their detours and have one thrown to them by life, whether it be a, a family circumstance or a physical accident, what advice would you give, not even just a young athlete, but a young person who's being forced to, to go down a path that's unexpected? Um, what advice might, might you give them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so my family, you can either go the coddling route or the kind of pushing route. And I guess you guys can probably guess that my parents went went the pushing route you know got out of hospital on sunday went to school on monday my mom said don't come home um doesn't matter if you get a headache like like go mm -hmm. and i think my, my biggest thing is don't make excuses enough people are going to make excuses or they're going to put limitations on you why why would you put more on yourself that's not helping you in, in any way and make a plan don't just have goals have an action plan hey this is what i want to do but this is what i need to do to get there and if you don't know the answer, find someone who does. And, um, you know, that's one thing. Great thing. There's some bad things about social media, but there are some 
awesome things about social media is the access you have to people. Um, and especially, I mean, if anyone ever writes me in my DMs, I am, I'm getting back to them. If they want to jump on a zoom column, like, Hey, let's do it. This is what happened for me. Um, and, and at the end of the day, just know that failure is going to come. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and really the true testament of, I think someone's character is what they do in those really tough moments. And I think sometimes you need to try and take a second and take a deep breath and be like, all right, my circumstance is what it is. And how am I going to going to attack it? And I always thought, man, this is going to be a great story uh, at the very end. Mm. It is a great story. And, and, I mean, you touch on what I want to dive into, and yeah, you answer DMs of those who reach out. You're here today um, to to represent the community and to help sort of spread the message of, of the power of uh, athletics. And, you know, it kind of, from speaking to you and learning your story more, it fires me up even more from um, what initiated me reaching out last week. Now, I'm happy if you do. I'm not going to have you, if you don't want to, name out any brand names, but I think it is important to to touch on uh, the issue at hand, and and I think it, the marketability uh, or the perceived marketability of para athletes. Can you maybe explain the tweet that you had sent out last week for those who aren't aware, and a little bit of of the greater issue surrounding it? Yeah, definitely. I was I was a bit frustrated because I had applied for. Uh, on ambassadorship and on one of my favorite brands and I was pretty bummed out that I didn't get it because we have all these brands talking about oh we support para-athletes but it seems like it's to check off a box not to actually support them um, and I hate like saying this but this is the best way I can explain it like for me I can't win anything else like that I have won everything that you can possibly win and I think that my injury just because I look normal when I walk around doesn't mean that I don't deal with a lot of stuff, especially internally. I mean, like I said, it's like mental health. And we've learned that that is sometimes the most challenging is that invisible disability. And so I just want brands to put their their money where their mouth is. And uh, I have no resentment for on. I have no resentment for any brand. Um, I understand it's, uh, it's truly a business. Uh, but at the end of the day, you haven't tried to make para athletics or para sport a business um you know they, they they haven't tried to put an athlete in there i mean the amount of support i mean i was actually like i was frustrated in the tweet for sure but i made sure that i was very nice about it like i i didn't want to call out any individuals i just wanted to shed some light and i had been quiet about this for the last four years and i felt like i kind of had enough of it and the thing that I was most surprised about was the people that came to my defense. I honestly thought it would get like four or five likes, whatever, just me just being annoyed. And I mean, CBC Sports picked it up. I mean, a bunch of my Paralympic and uh, Olympic teammates tweeted it out. You know, certain organizations got got behind it. And I was, I mean, it was funny because I went for a workout and then I finished my workout and I looked at my phone. And I was like, why do I? I have 60 notifications on Twitter and 50 on Instagram. Like I didn't post anything. Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. Um, and so that's kind of the story in a gist. And I, I just think there's so much markability um, because like my injuries, like COVID, like one day I was fine. And then the next day I was anything but fine. 
and yeah. you know we all had to crawl out of that hole of covid and and i've had to do that when i was 10 years old and there's a lot of kids who have cancer or different disabilities or different injuries and i really think my story can resonate uh with with those kids and and those families mm. and no i i am glad i mean we've done a lot of work with them in the past i'm glad you said the brand name and but the way that you framed it is like okay there needs to be accountability because this this is where the decision came from but it's also emblematic of that could literally be any brand right you put any brand in there i think on great for the community as well but you can transfer a nike and adidas a new balance in there and they're all overlooking the same exact factors or they're they're all sort of interested in, in telling the same specific story i'm wondering if there's something that you feel brands are overlooking in the marketability and storytelling that's that's unique to to para athletes well i mean one thing is that the games is the second behind the olympic games the paralympic games is the second biggest event in the whole dang world like i mean that's number one thing and i'm always like wow like that's super surprising that i won paralympic gold set a paralympic record and i had zero sponsors it just seems counterintuitive number one and they all always talk about there's so many stories with that we want to motivate and inspire and at the end of the day like there's athletes who are breaking world records people who have with either they have you know one leg they have no legs and they're running faster than anyone ever has with that disability and that's what we're talking about you know chasing greatness or you know it's doing something that has never been done before that's what keeps me coming back every day is you know i want to try and break 340 and sure 347 is a long ways away from 340 but doesn't mean i'm gonna i'm not gonna dare and try and do it and i think that that can inspire so many kids and you know traumatic brain injuries is one of you know especially in football i mean it's one of the most uh unfortunately popular disabilities and injuries that happen and uh you know i just want to shed light on that and i think for me marketability wise I'm dual citizen, so I have great communities in the U.S. and in Canada, and I don't know why um, you wouldn't want to want to sponsor someone who can double dip. Yeah, no, and I mean, look, we, we I have a lot of friends on on the the on staff team. I'll say like that's a miss. I'll go on the record, man. Like that's a swig and a miss on their front. Um, and we'll I'll, I'll make sure to pepper them next time we see them. But <laughs> I, no, I I know like again, it wasn't just about you, right? It's about the bringing forward the the awareness and um, uplifting the the sport as a whole. I'm I'm curious because you mentioned it's the biggest international, second biggest international event behind the Olympics, and I'm curious how the realm of para competition and para athletes has evolved since the the onset of your career like one thing that i used to gauge it is how much do my friends know about it before they're like i didn't even know like didn't even know the paralympics were in the same city as the olympics like just the awareness around it and obviously the sponsors coming in are definitely huge i mean we've in canada we finally have medal money for the paralympic athletes um definitely that was one thing that i was super peeved about um you know and i shared it with Devin heroics from cbc sports and he ended up doing a story on it and we ended up getting money like a month later 
Uh, sorry, could you illuminate me? There was no metal money until what year? Uh, 2021. Yeah, 20, yeah, 2021. Um, so, oh my yeah, God. For gold, um, the uh, Olympics gets 25 k for Canada. And that is privately funded that's not government funded which a lot of our funding is is government funded um but one big donor and unfortunately i forgot his name um but one huge donor um gave i mean it was over a million dollars um for metal money plus other resources it sounded like a lot of grassroots resources um and so and i think it was like four or three thousand dollars definitely i would you know definitely super thankful for him for doing that but i definitely want that Mm. to you know, get to that equal uh, playing field there. Um, And I believe, you know, that the movement is starting to get there. I I think uh, Canada is, you know, starting to to get near the UK. I I think the UK is the best when it comes to the parasport, how they support their athletes. I have um, people in my classification who have big sponsors with Adidas, uh, which I think is awesome. Like whenever I see a pair of, Athlete get, get sponsored. I'm not like, oh dang, I wish I had that. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Any pair athlete who who gets sponsored, I think is awesome. And I think yeah, Taps has been amazing for Parasport in Canada. I think you know her and I always joke around. I'm like, hey, you're the face, and she's always like, well, you're the one with the gold medal. I'm like, it doesn't matter if I have a gold medal. You're the one that's actually pushing the you know the button and you know making things go forward. And so you know, I have great appreciation for people like that who are really moving the needle. And I'm curious, as as we wind down, I'm wondering if you're able to pinpoint anything in the formula of how the UK is supporting their athletes that might be applicable. If someone from, because we have a lot of sort of inside Canada athletics and Team Canada uh, people involved with the publication, um, if you could offer any insight into what their blueprint is that we could transfer to Canada, what might it be? I think they just celebrate Paris sports so much more. Like the way people uh, explain it to me is they're like celebrities over there. They're on billboards. Um, you know, when the parents say like, you should really look up this athlete. It's a para athlete, which is mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And one of the girls is in my classification, which usually it's, you know, the, the amputees or the blind athletes. But, um, you know, there's two sprinters and the T38 classification uh, from the UK that are just absolute heroes over there, which is so awesome. And I think it, you know, it, it, it's just a culture thing as well. It's, you know, it, it starts with the kids and, you know, this next generation is going to be like one of the first generations that really grows up with Parasport the way it is now, which is super exciting. And, um, you know, uh, when, when, when I have kids, I definitely want to make sure that they, that they look up the Brent Lakatos and I'll show all things he's accomplished or, uh, Greg Stewart throwing a big par- Paralympic record throw on his first throw, you know, showing that all things that actually goes into that. And a lot of times para athletes have to do a little bit of extra things to get to that level or there's yeah. different barriers. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I think we just need to celebrate it a bit more. Hmm. And now, obviously, we'll have an opportunity to do so coming up in 2024, of course, alongside, inevitably, your brother. We're calling the shot now. Um, I'm curious, Nate, if you can break down as as we close down our, our conversation, what 
you're most excited either on the track or off what you're most excited for um heading into the next stage of your career definitely i think well right at the top it's having my brother with me at uh at nationals uh coming up that's the first thing that pops in my head but australia has a lot of really good guys in my classification they have it's me and then five australians um in the rankings um so three of them i have never raced um and one of them is very close to my pb which um, that hasn't been the case in the past there's been one guy dion kenzie from australia him and i have been really close and personal best but there's several now which makes it super fun i love competition i want someone breathing down my neck with 50 meters to go like um like uh let's go and do this thing let's let's make this thing exciting and i think that's how we grow our classification that's how we get the sponsors that's how we get those things that we really want is we make it an exciting race and you know when people think of the paralympic games they think of our race and so i think um that's one thing that it's pushing towards and i mean it's in paris so i mean i can't complain there we go amazing now nate thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us we know you're a busy man building the community around the city um this week but on adidas new balance brooks nike if you're listening to this sponsor this man the time is now sponsor him sponsor all the other incredible para athletes we have in canada and beyond help grow the sport um nate thank you so much for for taking the time and really for everything you do um for the canadian sport community i really genuinely appreciate your time and thanks so, so much for having me on and uh messaging me almost right away it was uh it was really cool to to feel the support and especially after you interviewed my boy ben, ben flanagan so uh it was uh it was cool cool to get the dm from you shout out to ben shout out to ben yeah absolutely and we'll continue to uh, follow your career in the future man i appreciate it thank you thanks so much for tuning into our episode of detours featuring nate reich be sure to stay tuned for more insight from canada's greatest sports figures we have some really fascinating episodes coming up we invite you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the interview. And in the meantime, we also invite you to take any nugget of knowledge that might help you find your own detour. Who knows? You might be our next guest. <laughs> <laughs>